Hi everybody, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Is this a good time to be looking for a bug out place, somewhere you can go as a refuge against the coming civil war maybe, or some other hard times coming ahead this coming year? Is it a really good time to move away someplace? What do you think? How can you keep your love for God hot if the whole world around you grows cold and evil? That's what we're going to be discussing today a little bit. Let's start out with the book of Zephaniah. That's Z-E-P-H-A-N-I-A-H. Now, Zephaniah was the great-great-grandson of Hezekiah. You probably remember that name, Hezekiah. There was a king named King Hezekiah. He's one of the good kings. But let's start in verse 2. Here's what God says will happen as a judgment against Judah. I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, says the Lord. I will sweep away people and animals alike. I will sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. I will reduce the wicked to heaps of rubble. And I will wipe humanity from the face of the earth. Sounds very angry, doesn't it? But this is what the Lord says. I will crush Judah and Jerusalem with my fist and destroy every last trace of their Baal worship. I will put an end to all their idolatrous priests so that even the memory of them will disappear. For they will go up to their roofs and bow down to the sun, moon, and stars. Now, in our day, that's a bit unbelievable. They claim to follow the Lord, but then they worship Moloch, too. Now, you remember Moloch was the molten metal god. They would build a fire in the middle of its belly and then offer their little children, their babies, as sacrifices to this stupid, pagan, dumb god. Do we still do that today? Well, how many abortions do we do every year? Isn't that the same thing? Giving up our little babies in the name of some good idea or what they think is a good idea? No, it's not a good idea. Verse 6, Zephaniah 1. And I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now no longer do. Now we have churches that are closing all over the place. That's not good. They still need to worship God. We all do. And someday we all will. Every last man, woman, and child on earth will. And I may get to show you that later on. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance or seek my blessings, which we should do, obviously. Stand in silence in the presence of the sovereign Lord for the awesome day of the Lord's judgment is near. The Lord has prepared his people for a great slaughter and has chosen their executioners. On that day of judgment, says the Lord, I will punish the leaders and princes of Judah 
and all those following pagan customs. Yes, I will punish those who participate in pagan worship ceremonies. And thus, those who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit, they're going to die. On that day, says the Lord, a cry of alarm will come from the fish gate. Now, this is in Jerusalem. An echo throughout the new quarter of the city. And a great crash will sound from the hills. Wail in sorrow, all you who live in the market area. For all the merchants and traders will be destroyed. I will search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners to punish those who sit complacent in their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. So their property will be plundered. Their homes will be ransacked. They will build new homes, but never live in them. They will plant vineyards, but never drink the wine from them. That terrible day of the Lord is near. This is definitely prophecy. Swiftly it comes, a day of bitter tears, a day when even strong men will cry out. It will be a day when the Lord's anger is poured out, a terrible day, a day of terrible distress and anguish, a day of ruin and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of a trumpet call, trumpet calls and battle cries. Down go the walled cities and the strongest embattlements. Because you have sinned against the Lord, I will make you grope around like the blind. Your blood will be poured out into the dust and your bodies will lie rotting on the ground. Your silver and gold will not save you on that day of the Lord's anger. For the whole land will be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. He will make a terrifying end of all the people on earth. That sounds pretty dire for every human being. But is that what he's really saying here? Well, not exactly. In verse 18... The actual translation is the people living in the land. So instead of every last man, woman, and child on earth dying, this is talking about the people living in the area of Jerusalem. In other words, Israel, Judea. At least that's my understanding of this. Chapter 2, verse 1, Gather together. Yes, gather together, you shameless nation. Gather before judgment begins, before your time to repent is blown away like chaff. Act now before the fierce fury of the Lord falls and the terrible day of the Lord's anger begins. Seek the Lord, all who are humble. Now this is a clue. Seek the Lord, all who are humble. And... Follow his commands. Seek to do what is right and live humbly. Another clue. Perhaps even yet the Lord will protect you. Bingo. 
protect you from his anger on that day of destruction. He's not going to destroy you or me if we're humble and if we follow his commands and seek to do what is right. Verse 4, chapter 2, Zephaniah. Gaza and Ashkelon will be abandoned. Ashdod and Ekron torn down. And what sorrow awaits you Philistines who live along the coast and in the land of Canaan? For this judgment is against you too. The Lord will destroy you until not one of you is left. That's pretty plain language. And this is the NLT version, by the way, which I find very clear. Verse 6, the Philistine coast will become a wilderness pasture, a place of shepherd camps and enclosures for sheep and goats. The remnant of the tribe of Judah will pasture there. They will rest at night in the abandoned houses of Ashkelon. Many times you'll find on YouTube these preppers, these city preppers who are trying to bug out and go somewhere but sometimes I think that really doesn't make good sense. Why? Because when they abandon houses, there's really nothing left. There's no electricity. There's no water. There's no sewer. But at least it, it would get them out of the wind and the cold, at least a little bit. But in the case of a dire situation where many people are, are fleeing to be a refugee someplace... That would not be a very good place in my estimation because there's nothing there but other people who could rob you and destroy your life. That doesn't seem logical to me. Not, not a very good idea at all. For the Lord their God will visit his people in kindness and restore their prosperity again. And this is what I wanted to show that this book is a happy book in the end. It may not be in the beginning because God has a right to be angry and we're going to see why. Verse 8, I have heard the taunts of the Moabites and the insults of the Ammonites mocking my people and invading their borders. Now as surely as I live, says the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, Moab, and Ammon, i.e. Jordan, that area, will be destroyed, destroyed as completely as Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow, that's pretty complete. There's not a living thing in sight. The land will become a place for stinging nettles, salt pits, and eternal desolation. Which, by the way, you can see a video or two on my website, itellwhy.com which shows pictures of this from people that have actually filmed it on the ground in Sodom and Gomorrah. They have found it. And it's incredible. 90-degree angles, arched doorways, windows that are still open. But there's nothing there except mountains of ash. But they still have those same formations. There's intersecting streets, houses, buildings and uh, stores and the like. There's all kinds of things. It looks just like a city that's been reduced to nothing but ashes. 
and that's what it is. It's calcium carbonate. It's what's left over after limestone gets burnt crisp. And so that's exactly what he's predicting will happen to Moab and Ammon. The remnant of my people will plunder them and take their land. Verse 9. They will receive the wages of their pride, for they have scoffed at the people of the Lord of heaven's armies. The Lord will terrify them as he destroys all the little g gods of the land. These are idol worshipers. And today we call them Muslims, but that's what they are. They're idol worshipers. They're not worshiping Jehovah. They're worshiping a pagan foreign god called Allah. Then the nations around the world will worship the Lord, each in their own land. You Ethiopians also will be slaughtered by my sword, says the Lord. And the Lord will strike the lands of the north with his fist. Now, what's north of that area? Well, it's Turkey. And then north of that is Russia. The Lord will strike the lands of the north with his fist, destroying the land of Syria, or Assyria. He will make its great capital, Nineveh, a desolate waste land, parched like a desert. The proud city will become a pasture for flocks and herds, and all sorts of wild animals will settle there. The desert owl and the screech owl will roost on its ruined columns, their calls echoing through the gaping windows. Rubble will block all the doorways, and the cedar paneling will all be exposed to the weather. This is the boisterous city, once so secure. It said, I am the greatest, it boasted. No other city can compare with me. But now, look how it has become an utter ruin, a haven for wild animals. Everyone passing by will laugh in derision and shake a defiant fist. Chapter 3 is a little bit different, and this is the last chapter. What sorrow awaits rebellious, polluted Jerusalem, the city of violence and crime? No one can tell it anything. It refuses all correction. See, this is what God is doing. He's indicting them that they might repent. That's what jealousy is really all about. And there's nothing wrong with jealousy because it's for the other person's benefit. If it was for my own benefit and I was being uh, arrogant and rude and uh, trying to persecute people for my own benefit, that would be envy. And there is a big difference. Verse 2, continuing, It does not trust in the Lord, nor does it draw nearer to its God. Its leaders are like roaring lions hunting for their victims. Its judges are like ravenous wolves at evening time, who by dawn have left no trace of their prey. Its prophets are arrogant liars seeking their own gain. You see that? That's envy. That's not jealousy. 
God himself is jealous because it's for the good of those he's jealous for. Its priests will defile the temple by disobeying God's instructions, but the Lord is still there in the city, and he does no wrong. Day by day he hands down justice, and he does not fail. But the wicked know no shame. I have wiped out many nations, devastating their fortress walls and towers. Their streets are now deserted. Their cities lie in silent ruin. There are no survivors, none at all. I thought, surely they will have reverence for me now. Surely they will listen to my warnings. Then I won't need to strike again, destroying their homes. But no, they get up early to continue their evil deeds. Therefore, be patient, says the Lord. Now, that's interesting. Why would we need to be patient? Well, to wait on the Lord. Soon, I will stand and accuse these evil nations, for I have decided to gather the kingdoms of the earth and pour out my fiercest anger and fury on them. All the earth will be devoured by the fire of my jealousy. Then I will purify the speech of all people, so that everyone can worship the Lord together. You know, it makes logical sense to be afraid of someone with the power to destroy your life and everything in it. He's the owner. He has every right to do that if he wants to. He's the boss. He's sovereign over everybody and everything. But this uh, verse 9 in Zephaniah 3 here says, Then I will purify the speech of all people. In other words, we're all going to speak the same language. Why? So that everyone can worship the Lord together. Now we start to see a glimmer of hope. My scattered people who live beyond the rivers of Ethiopia will come to present their offerings. On that day, you will no longer need to be ashamed. Why? Well, because they've purified themselves and asked God to forgive them of their evil. For you will no longer be rebels against me. Verse 11. I will remove all proud and arrogant people from among you. There will be no more haughtiness on my holy mountain. Those who are left will be the lowly and the humble. For it is they who trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong. They will never tell lies or deceive one another. They will eat and sleep in safety, and no one will make them afraid. That sounds pretty good. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Why? For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. 
Whoa, 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 wait a minute here now. Don't we go to heaven when we die? Uh, well, no. No, we don't. It's not what the Bible says. You can't find that anywhere in the Bible. But here he says, The Lord himself will be the king of Israel, and he will live among you. God will live here on earth with us. That's the real key to happiness. This should bring great joy to all of us. At last your troubles will be over, he says, and you will never again fear disaster. On that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, Cheer up, Zion, don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is now living among you. He is a mighty Savior, and he will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. And get this. This is the bottom of uh, 17, chapter 3, Zephaniah. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God, when he's here living among us, will rejoice over us with songs. He's going to sing. Did you know that was in the Bible? I will gather you who mourn. For the appointed festivals, you will be disgraced no more, and I will deal severely with all who have oppressed you. I will save the weak and helpless ones. I will bring together those who were chased away. I will give glory and fame to my former exiles wherever they have been mocked and shamed. On that day, I will gather you together and bring you home again. I will give you a good name, a name of distinction among all the nations of the earth, as I restore your fortunes before your very eyes. I, the Lord, have spoken. That's the end, my friends, of the book of Zephaniah. It's not all bad news. It is a restoration picture. It is a picture of God returning to live here with his people, with you and me and the rest of the people on earth, and they'll all serve God with one consent or one language so that we can all worship him together and sing songs that we all understand. I think that will be a fantastic time. Can't wait. Now for the story. This is about me and Brenda and the kids and when we moved up north thinking the grass was greener. We moved up there to northern Indiana and let me tell you, it's just a beautiful area. There's large trees and I mean probably 30 feet in, in uh, circumference. And they're everywhere. There, there's creeks running through it and little rolling hills and little trees everywhere and big trees as well. But it's a gorgeous area, just absolutely beautiful. Well, we researched the area before we moved there. And we wanted to see what the possibilities for employment would be. And lo and behold, at that time, the papers were full of help one ads. And some of them were pretty good. So 
out of all the other places, and we looked in Wisconsin and Iowa and all over the place, looking for a place like this. Well, this was an area that was prosperous, beautiful, and we decided to move there. I got a job, and we moved up there, and lo and behold, they laid me off within the year. Well, now it's winter, the time when we need money, and now we don't have any. We have unemployment, but big deal. That's not enough to live on for a family of five. And so what happened? Well, we kept looking and looking and looking. It took me 30 days to find a job. And I finally found one at a trailer factory someplace. They didn't pay very well. And I had to endure a lot of cigarette smoke inhalation against my will. So I did what I could about it by shutting the door and putting a humidifier in there to try to take some of it out of the air. But it was a lot of misery, honestly. And lo and behold, they laid me off too. In five years, I was laid off six times. I had some pretty good jobs, but, you know, one after the other, six different jobs. And then I got a toothache. Well, I went to a dentist and he pulled my tooth out. But he said, before I do, take this pill. It's an antibiotic. Well, any time a dentist will make you take an antibiotic before he'll work on you is a dirty dentist and he knows about it. He's sloppy. And don't go to that guy. Find somebody else. Just say, uh, well, no, thank you. Goodbye. But anyway, I decided I would take that one pill and not follow up on the rest of them. Two weeks of worth of drugs, you know. So no, I didn't take them. Well, I should have. I got trench mouth. You know what that is? It's where your whole inside of your mouth, your tongue, your upper palate, your gums all turn blood red and sore and painful as all get out. Well, that led to me being flat on my back and having Brenda have to blend my food with a blender so that I could more or less drink it. I couldn't swallow or chew. You know, it was real, true misery. And I'm on unemployment and unemployed. We don't have any money. The landlord keeps knocking on the door wanting to collect the rent. I didn't have any money. I'm flat on my back. I'm sick, uh, you know, in a miserable state. Well, I had a cyst on my back, which grew the size of a half of a cantaloupe. And I had to have something done. It was painful. And this is in addition to the trench mouth. Long story short, when you move away from your security, from your family, from your loved ones and your friends... You don't know what you're going to run into. And this is just a little bit of the trouble we faced in those days. So finally, we ended up going through a severe winter. We had four foot of snow on the flats, 20 foot drifts over the edge of our house. Our neighbor kept shooting out the back door. I called the sheriff to find out if it was legal. And guess what? It's legal. But he found out it was me who called the sheriff on him, he supposed. Now he wants to fight me in this condition I'm in. You know, so we ran into a lot of trouble. I'm recommending stay put, stay where you are, stay the course, 
and stick with your church. And don't relocate if you can avoid it. Because it's not always uh, greener on the other side. What if um, they think, well, here's the new kid in town. We're going to run him out. And these people are rough. When you go to the country, these people are meant to live there. And they're bound and determined not to let any newcomer butt in to their, what they do. They don't want to get found out. So anyway, I don't recommend that. Especially unless you go and spend time there and find out what it's really like to live there. Talk to every one of your neighbors or would-be neighbors. See what kind of a feel you get for the people of the area. But do your research and do a lot of legwork. Go there. Don't ever move without going there and scouting the area out. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. Please take care of yourselves in these days. Get a lot of rest. Get a lot of vitamin C. Get a lot of zinc and, and fresh air, sunshine, vitamin D. But be careful, please, and stay well. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com. I don't have anything for sale there. I don't have any ads, nothing like that. I don't want your email, but it's all there for you. And there's a lot of good things and videos and audios and the like that you can do there. So until next time, I'm Elbert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thanks for tuning in today.